Well, if you would take your Bible, please, and turn with me to the uh, Gospel of Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5. That's going to be one of our launching places as we begin this morning. Uh, I'll share with you up front that this, this is not going to be an expositional sermon. I'm not going to just expound a, very, a passage of Scripture. It's going to be more of a gathering back together kind of a sermon. It's topical in nature. And I want you to think with me clearly about what we're going to see in the Scripture this morning. The title of the message we're going to be looking at today is The Church at Risk. Some have said that this could be the church's finest hour. And it very well could be. But I would say to you this morning that this could be an hour where the church is at risk. We could be seeing, if we're not careful in our lifetime, the redefining, the reconfiguration of the church and how it approaches life on planet earth. I'm not saying that would be a good thing, but I am saying we may see in our time, if we're not careful, that the church's hour, the finest hour, has become an hour where the church could be at risk unless we see some of the things that we need to see in Scripture. As you could see in the song that was sung there a moment ago in this isn't, wasn't planned or rehearsed this way. It's, it's just the way it is. And if you notice about a lot of our music that we sing and a lot of the things we look at uh, as a people of God is the church of Jesus Christ. The church is a touch ministry. That's what the church is. We began with God in heaven saying... I'm going to touch the earth and I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to become flesh and I'm going to live among people. That was God's plan that we see in Scripture. The Word became flesh. Jesus came and dwelt among us. Now that signals to you and I that God never intended for the church to be off limits and hands off to a world that needed Him. But God signaled to us in the very beginning, I'm going to come and I'm going to walk among sinners. I'm going to give my life a ransom for many. I'm going to come into humanity and I'm going to touch humanity, the very God of heaven. I want to redeem those that are mine, that will become my people. So folks, from the very outset, God has not designed the church to be internet, or the church to be television, or the church to keep its distance from a lost and dying world. But from the outset, God designed the church to be a touch ministry that's how He works and moves and what He does. Amen. Now, with that being said, let me hasten to say to you, I am not speaking against 
social distancing. I'm not speaking against that we should not have hands to ourselves for a while and not hug people. We need to honor that. We need to be wise. We need to be stewards of the things that God has placed with us. But at the same time, we need to understand in our social distancing policies, in our non-touch and our non-hug philosophy, we need to do that with our eyes open and understand the risk that's going on here in the world. Because the church is not designed to be that. The church was never created to do that. Although we can, we need to be extremely, extremely wise. I've hugged one family today and I came knowing I was going to hug them. I'm not going to embarrass them or call them out. But I did because I hadn't seen them in a long, long time. And I love them dearly. And I'm just going to tell you, you just can't help it sometimes, can you? You've hugged your grandkids, haven't you? You've hugged your wife and husband, haven't you? Okay. I had one group of people I was going to hug today. And thank the Lord I did. I love them so much and thank the Lord for them. But I'm telling you, friend, it's been tough going to some of these funerals. You're not supposed to touch. You're not supposed to hug. You're not supposed to handshake. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? In a time of death and bereavement. Folk, am I connecting with you? Do you get what I'm saying and what I'm talking about this morning? That's not the way God designed people. And it's certainly not what He demonstrated in sending Jesus into this world. And it's not the way the church began and was founded. Look at the text this morning. I just want to remind us of something. In Mark chapter 5, uh, what did I say? Mark, Mark 10, first of all. Mark chapter 10, I told you 5, didn't I? We're going to go over there in a moment. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, notice this. And they brought little children to him, to Jesus, and he touched them. But the disciples rebuked those that brought them. Sounds like they'd just been to a White House press briefing, didn't it? I'm telling you, they, they were all worked up. I, I just had to say that. I don't mean any disrespect in that. I've already told you that I believe in social distancing for a time, okay? But now, now notice this. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. And he took them up in his arms and he laid hands on them and he blessed them. Now my friend, we're either going to take the Bible as our guide or we're not. We're either going to believe the scripture shows us what to do or it doesn't. My friend, God knows all of these things that are going to happen in life from the very moment of creation up until this day. And we all proclaim and we as Baptists and Christians shout it out. God is 
changes not and the Bible doesn't change not. So when, when are we going to believe it? When are we going to accept it? And we see it right here in the scripture. The church began as a touch ministry. The word became flesh. Turn over to Mark chapter 5 for a moment. Notice something in Mark chapter 5. Jesus is ministering to people. And we all know that Jesus touched people. He could heal from a distance. He could command it and it was so. He could speak it and it was so. But he made it a point to touch people in his healing. But now it gets reversed in this passage. Notice verse number 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down at his feet and told the whole truth. Verse 34, And Jesus said to her, Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your plague. My friend, how did Jesus say she got healed? Your faith has made you whole. You made your way through the crowd. They were thronging me and you crawled up and you got in my path. And when I came by, you slapped and tugged on my robe and the moment you did I felt the virtue going out of my body and that's why you are healed your faith made you whole this is the finest hour that the church has ever seen if we don't back off in our faith as if our God isn't on the throne but my friend he is on the throne isn't he And our God is a great God. Well, those are the scripture passages that I want to read, wanted to read to you. The rest of this sermon, which is not going to be real long, we're going to get out early today. One of the things about this uh, preaching online, I've learned to be short. Boy, isn't that amazing? You never thought that miracle could happen. I I couldn't even preach an hour anymore. 45 minutes, it's got to be short. Listen, notice something. I want to talk just a moment about Touching, touching, simply touching. As God has created us, there are things innately that are built into us that we don't even think about nor consider that are under the attack of the wicked one. You know the name Jesus talked about the devil as being the prince of the power of the air? And isn't it amazing that there is a worldwide pandemic? Do, you, do we understand that there's the prince of the power of the air, that he is coming against the body of Christ all over the world in every single country? My friend, that's by no accident, is it? The devil knows how to attack. 
But I want us to see for a moment this value of touching. If you do some research, we find out by our research that touching is reassuring. It calms anxiety. It gives positive reinforcement and affirmation. And touching denotes signals safety. Isn't that amazing? All of those qualities right here for these children. As Jesus gathered them together and he began to touch them and he began to bless them. It was a signal to them that they were affirmed as children. They felt safe. They felt secure as they were in the presence of Christ. Touching calms the vascular, uh, cardiovascular stress. Touching activates the nerve that triggers our compassion response. From the womb through our elderly years, touch plays a primary role in our development and physical and mental well-being. Aren't you hearing those reports come out when you listen to the psychologists and the counselors and the clinicians on the television programs talking about the mental problems and the risk and the depression that is happening throughout our country because of isolation and no touching. You see, there's this touching that affirms. It, it involves our physical development and our well-being. New studies on touch continue to show the importance of physical contact in early development. Communication, personal relationships, and even fighting disease. A study by Dr. Timothy, uh, Tiffany Field talks about touching helps the immune system. Well, we see all of these things about touching and we begin to say, well, there must be something to this plan of God. This plan of God to begin His ministry on earth as a touch ministry coming into the world through Jesus to touch people person to person physical contact and walking through people's problems with them and encouraging them. Friend, God never intended for His church to be by internet. He never intended for the world to be evangelized by internet. He intended for the world to be evangelized just like He stated it in Matthew 28 and Acts Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when He said, After you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, go into all the world and take My gospel into every creature. Now friend, I'm not going to be the guy in our generation to rewrite Scripture. I still believe it's the commission that God has given the church that we are to go. We go, we evangelize, we baptize, we share the gospel of people. We touch the needs of people where they are as the bride of Christ as we do the things that God has commanded us to do. 
The early beginnings of our faith are connected to touching. Are you listening to me? Now, now watch this for a moment. Our Christian faith, our faith as a believer, Jude in verse 3 says, I was going to write to you about our common salvation, but instead I'm writing to you about defending the faith because if the faith is ever lost, it's gone forever because the faith was once given to the saints, once given to the church. Jesus is not coming again to down the cross. The next time he comes, he's going to take the church home to be with him. The church is not going to have a restart in scripture. The church is to carry on just exactly like the way Jesus started the church in the gospels and then in the book of Acts and he started the church with some very concrete examples and it was everything about the church is you're going to have to touch people. And that's what we see in scripture. Now notice this beginning of our faith. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 20 verse 26, there was a man by the name of Thomas. We've become to know him as Doubting Thomas. And when Jesus appeared to the disciples at first, Thomas was not there. And do you remember the words of Thomas? He said, unless I see Jesus and touch him, unless I can feel the nail prints in his hands, Unless I can see the nail print in his side, the sword print, I'm not going to believe that he's resurrected from the dead. And my friend, the world out there is saying the same thing today that Thomas said back then. Show me the church. Show me the Christian. Show me the believers. Where is the church? Where are the believers? Are they off in their offices trying to tell me about Jesus by way of the internet? Or is the church coming out to find me? Is the church of Jesus coming out to love me, to go through life with me, to elbow to elbow with me, that we might have an audience that people might be saved The early disciples themselves, when they first saw Jesus, they thought he was a ghost until he walked in the room and he said, give me something to eat. I'll show you that I'm real. I'm telling you, friend, there are generations of people out there that think the church of Jesus is a ghost. And I'm telling us, friend, if the young preachers of our day, if the younger preachers and the middle-aged preachers of our day retreat to their studies and retreat to their offices and retreat behind the television cameras and don't come out with the people of God and get the people of God involved in ministry and reaching the world, the church at risk in our culture, we will see the devastation of what happens in reaching a lost and dying world for Christ. Acts chapter 3, 13 and Acts chapter 6 about the church. It says in Acts 6 when they needed deacons in the church to minister to people. It says they prayed and they fasted. And God laid upon their hearts seven men. 
Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit. Seven men that were willing to roll up their sleeves and get out there and get involved in ministry. And do you know what it says happened after that? They got the seven together and it says, and they laid hands on them. My friend, from day one, the church has been a touch ministry in this world. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 13, it was time for the church at Antioch to send missionaries to other places to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says they prayed and they fasted and they had two that God laid upon their heart, Paul and Barnabas. And the church came together and they brought Paul and Barnabas and they set them in the midst of all of the congregation and of all of the elders and they said, we believe that God has called you to be missionaries and that set them down together in the church. And the Bible says, when they had prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them out and they went out. You see that laying on of hands designates a transfer of authority. It designates something of we're with you. You're not alone. You don't go by yourself. We'll be back here praying, but we cannot go. You go. And the church used the laying on of hands in that kind of way. James chapter 5 verse 13 gives a whole litany of situations that people might find themselves in. It says if, you have, if you're doing good and happy and everything's going well in your life, sing for joy and, and celebrate. If you're suffering and things are going bad for you, uh, ask people to pray for you and they'll lift you up and it will help you and strengthen you. And then he says that if you're sick, if you're sick and you have sinned and you need uh, uh, to forgiveness from that sin and if that sickness has been caused maybe by your sin here's what you need to do you need to call on the elders of the church call for the elders and the elders will come and they will anoint you with oil and they will pray over you and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will lift you up and so there is this anointing with oil and this laying on of hands for the sick my friend listen to me the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, a, is based on touch ministry. The church is to touch humanity. The church is to touch others. The church is to be mightily, powerfully used by God in a most powerful way as we touch other people. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 that the church is commissioned with baptism. Jesus came to the Apostle John, and as Jesus came to the Apostle John, John said, oh no, I'm not going to baptize you, oh no, not at all. I will not baptize you. And Jesus looked at him and said, yes, you will. To baptize me fulfills all righteousness. Now we all know what John was thinking. He wasn't worthy to baptize Jesus. We all agree with that. But I want us to understand that Jesus insisted on John baptizing him. And John did baptize him. We begin to read in the book of Acts chapter 2 right on through that they baptized within the church. 
on the day of Pentecost, we come to another passage in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And a man had traveled all the way from Ethiopia and he had come down to Jerusalem in search of God. Can I find this true God down in Jerusalem where the people of God go to worship? Little did he know that the Son of God had left heaven earlier and had come into this world and died on a cross and had just been resurrected from the tomb. He didn't understand any of that. And he was reading Isaiah 53 on his chariot. And as he was going back to his homeland, had come seeking the Lord and found nothing. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God moved upon the heart of Philip and he joined himself to the chariot. And he said to this man, do you understand that you're reading about Jesus Christ? Who was God and has come, God in the flesh and dwelt among us and gave his life upon the cross and has been resurrected from the grave. Do you know who you're reading about? And he said, I have no clue. And the Bible says Philip told him about Jesus and he was gloriously saved. And the touching ministry of the church then kicked in. The eunuch said, well, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? I saw him being baptized in Jerusalem. Can I be baptized? And they got down out of that chariot and Philip baptized him there. Now, my friend, listen to me. All through the scripture we're reading, everywhere you go, that the church has to be touching humanity. We touch humanity. Everything the church does is involves touching. Now, am I saying by doing that that we need to rebel against the government? Am I saying we need to rebel against uh, social distancing and all of these things that we're trying to do this morning to stay safe? Absolutely not. I am not saying that we should not honor those guidelines. What I am saying to us is we need, as the body of Christ, to understand what it is we're giving up. What it is we're forfeiting for a time. And it, it'll have to be for a time. The church at risk in our culture. There is nothing greater that the devil would want to do. This prince of the power of the air. Than to disrupt the body of Christ on earth. And pull the teeth out of the body of Christ that has made the body of Christ the exact example of God himself in sending Jesus into the world to touch sinners that need to be saved. That has to be our mission and our calling as a people of God. I want to conclude this morning in 1 Corinthians. I just want to read one verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter number 12. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, that's the chapter that deals with you and I as the body of Christ. We're the eyes, we're the ears, we're the voice, we're the mouth. We're the feet of Jesus here on this earth. But my friend, we are also the hands of Jesus in this land to minister and to take the gospel of Christ and to touch other people. Notice the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That's us. The body of Christ. That's who we are. We cannot separate ourselves from being the body of Christ. This is where you and I have to have much wisdom. We have to have much discernment. We have to really be tuned in to God and our mission and our calling. As I've said before, there is a huge difference in you than the world. The church cannot operate by the world's model of operation. Jesus commissioned the church. We're his body. We're his bride. The world did not bring the church into existence, but the body of Christ did. Now, yes, I believe in Romans 13, 1. I believe in what Paul and Peter, all of those men said, to honor those who have rule, honor those who have authority over you. We certainly do that. And that is our intent and that is our goal. But my friend, let me just say and hasten to say, we have to discern some things in our own heart and in our own mind as a people of God that we're not of this world. We're pilgrims here. We're simply passing through. And we are the only agent. We are the only thing in this world that God has ordained. His body. His church. We go out and we're involved with other organizations as we minister. Sure we are. But God didn't ordain all of those other civic organizations. They're great because people of God are in them working. But the church of Jesus Christ is who we are. We're a touch ministry for the Lord. Would you bow with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Here for a moment. In just a moment, Tony and Catherine are going to come. We're going to have an invitation. This altar is open if you want to come and pray and spend some time in prayer. If you've got a spiritual need in your life, I'm here at this altar to help you. No one's going to crowd in on you at this altar. You can be alone and have your distancing, but I will be here if you want someone to pray with you about an issue. I just pray, Father, this day for our church family. Lord, you've honored us, you've blessed us, we've blessed and honored you, you've spoken, you've moved among us. God, we just pray right now that you will just do a powerful, powerful work in us. That if someone's here today without Christ, they'd come to know you. If there's someone here that has a spiritual decision to make, that they would come and make that decision, or at least acknowledge it at the seat and pray to you from their heart as they are there. God, we honor and praise you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, let us be the church that you've called us to be in our culture and in our land. We honor and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.